passages in the book, he talks about people that literally breathe the life out of you. They suck your energy. You're around them and you want to avoid eye contact. Tommy, how do we know if it's us? If you're always talking about negativity, if you're always talking about this bet doesn't like me or it's easy for you to say, or they got lucky, or I'm going to get started, or I don't really have goals. If you just can't see the good in people, if you're just constantly complaining and just find a reason why you're not going to do well, it is you. Welcome to the Waste No Day podcast, a podcast specifically for and about the home services industry as it relates to plumbing, heating, air conditioning, and electrical. More than a podcast, Waste No Day is a credo, a determination, a mindset. It is a never-ending discipline. It is a refuse-to-lose pursuit. It is a wake-up call every morning to waste no day. Now here's your hosts, Brian Burton and Nate Minnick. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Waste No Day podcast. Your host, Nate and Brian, hanging out with you again and looking forward to reinviting none other than Mr. Tommy Mello back on the show for a two part episode. And we're going to start off a great conversation today in part one, talking with him about all the things going on in his mind and beyond. But before we do that, Brian and I are going to spend a little bit of time in the intro here ourselves, and we're going to turn to Brian for our quote. It has been my observation that most people get ahead during the time that others waste. Henry Ford. Now there's a man who knows about uh, using time and things efficiently. Yeah. Credited with the uh, invention of the assembly line, right? You can have any car color you want as long as it's black. Yeah. <laughs> it is funny that he's the same guy who said, if we had asked the people what they wanted, they would have they faster asked horses. For, right. yeah, faster horses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tommy, Tommy in, in so many ways reminds me of like a Henry Ford. You know, he's super, super innovative and very, very people focused. Um, like not just his customer, although very customer focused, but his team, very focused on his team. For a guy that travels as much as he does, he's he's super plugged in and concerned about like the members of his own team at home. So yeah, I got to hang out with Tommy here several weeks ago now, and and I uh, got to see his his humble abode, which was a pretty big house. <laughs> I want to say we went through two gates to get to it. It's one of those like, <laughs> security check, yeah, passport yeah. log. Yeah, and, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, it was a. It's a. He's got like. This is how cool his house is. I don't know if everybody's going to know what I mean from the picture I'm going to draw here, but like you can be, so the pool is like in the center of the house and you can be in like different rooms of the house and just be on different sides of the pool. <laughs> it's called, I mean? a, it's called a U shape, Brian. It's not, it's not exactly U shape, but well, maybe it is, but then there's a, there's the guest house in the back, you know, and you're, and that's a whole different angle of the pool but like everywhere you are you have a different view of the pool no it's like it's like uh that swedish you that has the little dot above it what is that dot called (laughs) i don't know or german i guess that's german we need some german people leave us a review and let us know what the dot above the u is called yeah in english please if you please you catch up to the times will you but yeah it was a it was a cool experience hanging at the house and if tommy's tommy gives us the opportunity the rare opportunity to speak (laughs) 
when you're talking to Tommy. <laughs> we'll uh, we'll talk a little bit about his his house, but yeah, there he's got like the cool theater, like straight up legit theater with theater seating in the basement, and uh, yeah, he's got a, an arcade room. It was great because in his arcade room, we didn't do too much, but I'm I'm going to be back in Arizona next week and hoping to connect with him and uh, dig into this a little bit. But uh, in his arcade room, he has a whiteboard like you like we have in the training room. And it was just like sales presentations written on it. And he had had, uh, he didn't let me see it because <clears throat> he would never share that information. But he had Dale Steele, the vice president of sales for Ghetto, in there hanging out with him the day before. And they're just like going over selling strategies. And that's my language, you know, that's my love language. So, yeah, hopefully we get to do a little bit of that. Uh, with me writing on that whiteboard at his house next time I'm over there. But, yeah, every time I chat with Tommy, every time um, I hear Tommy's podcast, which is every week, every time I I check out Tommy's newest book, Elevate, which is, I believe, almost ready for audio, which I can't wait because you know, I don't love to read if I can avoid it, but I have to right now because Elevate's only on book form. Um, I'm always motivated and I always learn something and there are a lot of people um not just in this industry but in in the in the self-help type industry who are very motivational but not very educational so you lead you walk away feeling very inspired um and maybe you know with the energy you just take that energy and you figure some stuff out and you get some stuff done that you normally wouldn't I don't know but the far better people. It's the reason I always loved Brian Tracy coming up is you feel motivated and you have a whole bunch of things you can actually go use right here, right now. And man, that's Tommy. If you're building a business or if you're selling or whatever you're doing, he's, he's nonstop kicking out things that he's learned um, or that he's read or seen other people do. The guy's got to have a photographic memory but he's nonstop throwing those things out and, and it's stuff that you can just pick it. Like you can avoid reading five books by listening to one Tommy podcast because he's spitting out the best parts of five books in a matter of, you know, 55 minutes. It's just insane being around the guy. But yeah, so uh, my wife and his fiance, Amelia and Bree were, were um, with us at that time. So we didn't get to really dive into any too much work stuff. It was uh, actually a lot of jokes. Watched a couple of YouTube videos. <laughs> that sounds like Tommy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, that's right. Nate. Nate. Yes, I'm well acquainted with Tommy's joke repertoire. Yeah, Nate and I went out to a nice steak dinner. Actually, uh, I think Nate and I shared a 40-ounce tomahawk, which was the first time I've had that with the bone marrow, right? Or no, that was Mike. That was Mike, that yeah. That was Mike, and I shared the, the tomahawk, Mike Vavrin. But, yeah, it was a good meal. But Tommy just took probably the last half hour of the meal and told jokes. And I was like, well, I'm going to fire a couple off. Here, I got some for you. And I went for my two best, you know, those two that you just keep in your in your shirt pocket for, for a time like that. And Tommy's like, yeah, I know this one. Finishes it. <laughs> Son of a. <laughs> I'm not hanging out with guys with photographic memories, all right? <laughs> no, it's always good to have Tommy on the show. He's been on a couple times before. And if you're interested in those episodes, make sure that you look back through the previous podcasts and you'll get some great information from him. Uh, but for right now, it is time for our review of the week. Brian, who do we have on today? Bro, can we get like a thing, like some kind of music, like a, I don't know, a sound thing? Yeah, I thought review just of the, the week. And it's like, 
the sexiness of my harmonic voice would be sufficient. Maybe a little enthusiasm then. This, this is as enthusiastic. enthusiastic. Yeah, as it I knew that. What am I talking about? <laughs> <laughs> you guys should hear him off the show. Yeah. Uh, great show. Five stars. I am currently 26 years old and just started a residential electrical business about six months ago. Dang. Wrong trade. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's 26 and he owns a business. Love it. No, that's awesome, man. Yeah, welcome to the trades, man. You know? Welcome here. Please. 26 owns a business. This podcast has been one of the best resources as it. Oh, time out. One of? <laughs> what was the other one? I'm assuming there was only other, another one. This podcast has been one of the best resources as a new business owner in the trades. Every day, this podcast motivates me to do better as a father for my two daughters and as a business owner. I hope that I can grow my company and maybe one day be asked onto the show to share my success story. Love it. Oh, I like that too. Well, Let's gonna set happen. that date, buddy. That's going to happen. Keep up the great work. We appreciate all you do. Weston Herman's Electrical Service. And that is uh, Hermanator 6. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Great for the, uh, grateful for the review, my man, Herman. And uh, we appreciate the the daughter part was pretty cool, right? He said the show makes him makes him try to be a better father to his two daughters. Absolutely, Love it's, it. it's more than just about what we do during the uh, seven to five hours. Yeah, for sure. Love it. Um, yeah, if you would be so kind to follow in Herman the Hermanator Six's uh, footsteps and and scroll down on Apple Podcasts where it says reviews and then click on leave a review and either hit the five-star button or read us a nice review that we'll read on the air or uh, Spotify, just click the five, five stars and then all those other platforms that you screwy kids listen to. Just go ahead and find a way to leave us a review. Or easier, make a public post in Facebook. Love this episode of Waste No Day. Find me, tag me, find Nate, tag Nate. And... Uh, Share it with somebody, man. Get somebody else to listen. But if not, if you just sit back and listen and enjoy the content, we still appreciate you. It'd be cool if you did, and we sure would appreciate it. <laughs> and I, right now, you're going to love listening to Tommy Mello on this great opening conversation of part one. Make sure you catch the conclusion of the conversation next week. But for now, we're going to put Tommy Mello in your passenger seat. Our guest today is Tommy Mello. He is the owner and operator of A1 Garage Door Service, a leading $180 plus million home service business based in Phoenix, Arizona. With over 700 employees in 19 states and 30 markets, in 2018, Mello wrote an Amazon best-selling book called Home Service Millionaire, which details his journey of going from $50,000 in debt to a $30 million business at the time. His new book, Elevate, which we'll be talking about today, provides actionable advice for small business owners to immediately improve every aspect of their home service business. Tommy is a friend of the show, a previous guest, and always an honor to have on. Welcome here, Tommy. Pleasure being here. Always love your podcast. Thanks, buddy. We appreciate that, and it's great to talk to you again. Last we chatted was at your, do you call that a house or a compound, or what do you call that thing these days? <laughs> 
I call it a work in progress. <laughs> <laughs> that it is. There wasn't a ton of furniture in it yet, but we did get to. That's called because it's custom mahogany furniture from Africa. He's waiting on it. <laughs> he gave Amelia and me the tour and got in every bathtub in every bathroom, personally. Not me. Tommy did, <laughs> which was a good time. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate the hospitality there, man. It was fun. We got to watch a little Assassin's Creed in his theater and play some big game hunter and he played big game hunter. I don't know what the heck I was doing on that thing. <laughs> big buck hunter. Yeah. Oh yeah. Big buck hunter. That's right. Yeah. yeah. That was fun. <laughs> Tommy, it's good to have you back on. You've been on the show a time or two before. And if you could give us a 30 second biography about, or autobiography about who you are and what you've been doing, and then we'll jump right into it. Yeah. From Michigan, moved to Phoenix, started a one garage door service, 2006, it's interesting. I was talking to a buddy yesterday. In 2016, we both applied for a $500,000 loan and both got denied. And he called me because we hadn't talked. We, he came to my birthday, but at, before that, we hadn't talked in, since then. And he goes, what the hell happened? He's, we both got denied loans. What transpired in the five-year period to go from pretty good? I had money and I had real estate, but he said, I told him about the deal and what we did with PE and partnering with Cork Tech. And he's like, how do you go from hundreds and hundreds of millions from zero to that pretty much? And it wasn't zero, but in a lot of ways compared to what it is today. And I'm like, man, just being the dumbest guy in the room and hiring for my weaknesses. So we partnered with PE in December. I'm getting, I thought I had a master's degree in business and in home service. I realized I was still in kindergarten after I got to learn, and I'm extracting knowledge from these guys. You mean, in from, fact, from conversations with the PE guys? Yeah, I got a hundred conversations with different PE guys, and then I got another couple hundred, and then now I have these guys stay in my house, and I really dig into other businesses, what's working in other industries, what the goals are for this business, and. I need to have a destination, and I think that's one of the biggest things. Is a lot of people are like, I'm just trying to grow. But they don't know where they're going. They don't know why they're going. They just kind of say, I'm just trying to get better and spend more time with family and have fun. And that's everybody's answer. And of course, that's great. But that's not specific enough to really accomplish goals. And if I had to tell you my biggest weakness and by far throughout the last decade has been knowing my numbers. It's, I've always known the CRM, but I didn't understand the balance sheet and income statement. And I didn't know when to grow and when to pause. And I didn't have any foresight. And now... Just their little deck of 50 slides has changed the company. We went from 15% to 23% bottom line. And we're going to hit 30 at the end of Q3. And that's just unheard of. And I'm watching these companies. They're dying for leads. They're like, we need more leads. We need more leads. I'm looking at it going, we are getting very innovative on marketing. But we had to make some tough calls. We had to let go of 20 CSRs. We had to let go of 18 technicians. We weren't, we didn't have a great formula for hiring. So we had guys sitting around that we were paying minimums to. And now it's just, it's a machine. And I care about each and every person so much in the company. And that's why I wrote the book Elevate. And it, I'm having more fun than I've ever had. And I'm, what's so great is changing lives. The text messages, the Facebook messages, the people that come visit. I do two shop tours here in Phoenix, Arizona every month. And usually 20 to 30 people show up, at least 10 businesses per shop tour. It's just so much fun. We talk a lot about that, but the book Elevate has been a huge success. It's Elevate, build a business where everybody wins. And uh, it's just been a fun roller coaster. 
I'm sure it has, Tommy. And we've talked a time or two. We've met and we've heard all about your story, even from afar. And you're making a lot of waves out there. And the latest one is this second book, actually, of yours, your original author of the Home Contractor Millionaire, Home Service Millionaire. And now you have part two, which is Elevate. So what was the initiative behind writing Elevate? Why the second book? What were you trying to accomplish? When COVID started, I've always loved the employees and I call them my internal clients, my internal customers, but I didn't realize just how important of a leader I needed to become. And a lot of that stemmed from COVID, just people coming into my office one by one. One guy said, cut my pay in half. The next guy gave me all of his PTO. The next CSR walked in and said, I'm here to help whatever I could do. I will give you all my PTO, all work weekends. I want to, they all basically a lot of people came in and they just said, we're going to get through this together. And I just looked in the mirror and said, holy cow, this is so much bigger than just a business. This is an ecosystem. This is so much more than I have ever thought. So I just realized I need to have them win. I need to have them homeownerships. They need to learn more about financial literacy. I won't say I was selfish, but in a lot of ways I didn't realize I was because I wasn't focused on them winning. And now I sat down with a vendor yesterday, the largest garage door opener manufacturer in the world by far. And I just said, what's your one, three and five year goals? Explain to me what markets you guys need penetration in. I literally asked them a million questions because I'm like, listen, guys, I'm going to be the best partner you guys have ever had. I'm going to make sure we have you win. The client's got to win. The employees win no matter what. I've got to win. And our partnerships need to win. As you guys know we've been partnering with a lot of companies. So I just feel like this mentality of when Tommy's winning, everybody else is losing. And I'm here to elevate the industry, not just garage doors, but home service. And just because I'm winning doesn't mean you can't win as well. I don't, I, competition is a great thing. I love competition. I love winning. But I'll, at the end of the day, I'm not upset that you bought a new house and you have great employees and you're making great money in the industry. We could build. I love competitors that raise the market. They hire back check drug tested great people. They charge the right prices. They take care of their people. And if that's the case, I love competition. In fact, if someone doesn't want to do business with me, they say you're too expensive or this, that, or the other. I say, this is a great company. You should probably get a second opinion from. And I don't feel bad about that. And I think that most companies are like, why is he doing this? Why is he opening up his doors? Why is he talking to all these other garage door companies? Why did he build a special group called Garage Door Freedom for everybody? And it's because, like I said, is just because I'm winning, we're going to raise everything. We're going to raise the bar in the industry. And I've always looked at HVAC and plumbing and electrical and said, man, those guys are all flying private jets. They're, they're a good guy could do four or five million if they're really great. And I said, man, I need to study those markets and study those industries. And I basically did a lot of R&D. I ripped off and duplicated what was working from other companies. And now I just, it's like, I get more excited about a guy buying a house. I'm going to two housewarming warming parties tomorrow for technicians that bought homes. I'm getting invited to two or three a week for from people that work within the company. And I take a lot of pride in that. We hit record days, great. I don't really care about a record day as much as I care about we're changing lives where the technicians are their kids' soccer coaches. The wives are happier. The marriages are getting stronger. The people are buying cars that are dependable. 
They're going on vacations that are they're spending quality time and memories that they'll never would have had without this opportunity. And I couldn't have done it without them either. So that's what it's all about. And that's what I go back to on every meeting is, listen, I'm going to help you figure out your dreams, your goals. And the whole premise of Elevate is build a dream so big that everybody else's dream can fit inside. Yeah. And that's one of one of my favorite quotes from you in terms of how you view life and business. And so as you've used that as your motto for the book, and even really before the book, it was what you were living by. What have been some of the learning steps along the way that you've found to say, okay, it's more than just a saying. It's not enough to just say, yeah, let's build big dreams so that everybody's dreams can fit inside of it. That takes work. It takes strategy. It takes execution. How do you do it, Tommy? Yeah, I keep feeding the same message and I don't get through to everybody. And then I'll get, I get a lot of people from outside of A1 to come talk about their goals, their dreams, what they have accomplished, writing things down, thinking and peeling the onion back. And I can't help somebody dream that has zero dreams and has no intention of wanting more for them, their lives. But I look at somebody and I want a dreamer. I want somebody that wants more. Yesterday I said, I want you guys to go buy Ferraris. I want you guys to have three rental houses. I want you guys to have more than I have ever had. And really, a lot of these guys, I have a guy that's 23 and a half. Because in your 20s, you go by half years, I guess. Because he always says it's 23 and a half. Right. And, and he said, I, I put down 25% of the house. It's the nicest house. Tommy just got me a deal out of garage doors, just gave him a cost. He just bought a brand new Jeep. And he said, my goal is that uh, we can bring some kids into this world. I'll have my house paid off when I'm 25. And... He's always smiling, and I look at him as a role model in the company because he's, he's got the abundant mindset. And uh, I think discussing personal finances all the time about saving money, about not investing at first in assets that appreciate, and just having delayed gratification and just beating that drum all the time and talking about the wins all the time. The guys that you would have said will never buy a house they just, they're watching everybody around them winning and they can't help but win. They're like, man, I got to make some changes. I got to decide that this is what I want. I'm making posters for everybody. I've got it written on the whiteboard. I'm b- working on a, uh, basically it's formatted in a way to bank very quickly where you've got the picture of yourself and the best health you've ever been. It could be 10 years ago. It could be last week. It's a two pictures of your family. It's a picture of your dream house, your dream car, your dream vacation. It's a picture of your pets. And then it's a picture of your accountability partner at home. And it could be a best friend, a mother, a father. It could be a sister. It could be a wife or a husband. And then you got your personal goals, your body weight, your body fat, your money in the bank, your Roth IRA, your 401k. And then you got your work goals because all those need to work together. And then you've got an accountability partner at work that, that you guys probably have similar personalities. You think the same, you're both talk about the great things that you're proud to be alive. Today was a good day because we have our health. We talk about this stuff and I'm having them all write a note to themselves and put due dates. And then they're going to look at it every day because they're making one for when they come out of the shower, one for in their truck and a bigger one for wherever they can put in the house that they look at a lot. And it's going to be classy. It's going to be nice, but it's not going to work for everybody, but most people are more vision oriented. So it's great. Another thing I'm doing is having them say out loud what they want and record it and play it to themselves less than one minute long. So you're hearing it from yourself. The hardest thing in the world is when you're lying to yourself all the time. You know why people don't trust you? 
and I'm not talking about you guys, but if you look at yourself every day and you make promises, I'm going to quit smoking, I'm going to drink less, I'm going to be a better husband, I'm going to be a better father or mother, I'm going to be a better son, I'm going to do this. If you are constantly lying to yourself, how are people supposed to take you seriously if you can't keep a promise to yourself? Oh. And I see people lying to themselves every day and expecting other people to believe them. And you can't do that without accountability within the household and outside of the household. So who holds you accountable, Tommy? I got a lot of mentors. I'm in a text group with Ishmael, Cristiano, Aaron Gaynor, Chad Peterman. These guys are always posting what they're doing, what they're working on, their goals. I got to tell you, I'm pretty regimented in a way. I put a, an, I just hired a nutritionist. My doctor holds me accountable. I've got the really good trainer that holds me accountable. And I got to tell you, I just hired an amazing executive assistant along with Bree. I'm hiring a personal assistant. I set myself up to create accountability. And I just don't have one person. I've got Al Levy. I've got Jonathan Wisman. I've got the president of the company. I've got Cortec. My whole life is setting accountability for myself and each and everything I'm working on. I never have just one coach. I usually have four that I'm working with. I love it, Tommy. I love the example there. Now, you said something a little bit ago about how you designed this poster or whatever it is that you're walking people through, and you have them have an accountability partner at home, but then you also pair them up with somebody at work. And I'm just thinking, if I'm a tech in the field listening to this, and I'm like, my company doesn't doesn't have anything like that. Nobody's ever paired me with a mentor. Is there something that I can do to reach out or like, how would I go about doing this if somebody hasn't given it to me? What's the proper way or the mindset or attitude to even begin seeking out this type of accountability? There's someone at work that you really just think, wow, they've always seemed happy. They always make the best out of every situation. They seem to have a smile on their face, even when things aren't going right. And they're also always bettering their best. And what happens with the top 10, 20, 30, guys and gals at the company, they're always, they're hanging out in and out of work. They're calling each other after every job. They're always saying I could have done better. And they're saying, Hey man, I just had a breakthrough. I tried doing something like this and I smiled and they're sharing. And I think the one core principle here is that they share with one another. They're not greedy. They don't have this mindset of if this guy learns how to do it, then he's going to get all the jobs and then I'm going to go broke. No one feels that way at this company. No one feels, man, I can't tell the guys that because that's what makes me unique and better. Like the best in the world, they want to pay it forward. That's why I have so many people coming through the company and Lord knows I got a lot to learn and Lord knows that I'm not near where I'll be in five years, but I want to share. And when I coach and I train, I was working out the other day, Aaron Gaynor came to town and I worked out 10 times harder than I've worked out in a long time because he was there and he worked out harder because we held each other accountable. Not to mention my trainer was there pushing us. But that's the kind of stuff that we should all be thinking about. It's just not this mind of scarcity, this mind of abundance. Okay. So that's easy for you to say, Tommy, you live in a million dollar house. You have all the things that anybody could ever wish for. You got your beautiful girl and all these things, man. My life's been hard. Like I didn't have the easy street that you have. Just so you guys know, I lived in an apartment for four years right before I moved into this new house. It was smaller than most of my bathrooms now. I didn't care. <laughs> I own the apartment complex, but I'll tell you guys what. I didn't have a whole lot, man. I put myself through college. I was a bartender. I was busting tables. Literally, till I was 22, I was still busting tables and serving tables. I literally, I'm telling you guys, if I could do it, you could do it. I called one of my guys up probably six months ago. 
And I walked him through. I started whiteboarding with him. He was on the phone, but I started writing out stuff. And I said, how much did you make last year? His wife, the teacher, how much did she make? It was 38 grand, whatever it was. And I said, so cumulatively, you're making 200 grand a year. I said, let's walk through your bills. His house payment for his rent was 1250. I said, tell me what's in your retirement account. He goes, I haven't got to that yet. I said, you're 43 years old. Tomorrow I'm giving you PTO. Go start a Roth IRA. And I'm like, I'm going to call you tomorrow. And if you're not setting that up, I'm going to be very disappointed. You owe this to yourself. Within three months, he bought a house. He started getting serious and he just needed a little kick in the butt. He just needed to say, wow, you laid it out for me. You showed me. You know, Ellen wrote a great book, Where Did the Money Go? And I think that happens personally all the time is you don't really understand what you should be saving. You got an Amazon problem. You go out to eat a lot. You buy the newest car every two years. You're always replacing your cell phone and spending an extra 1300 bucks on the new iPhone. And there's really no reason to be disciplined because you don't understand what that means. Like, what is that going to do for me? Until you really sit down and decide what you want your life to look like. And that includes being a parent. That includes being a son or daughter. That includes being a a person at work that has a lot of friends. And I look at guys that used to drink themselves to sleep every night. Now they're fishing all weekend, having fun. Yeah, they have a few beers, but it's not the same. They don't do any drugs. I I just love it because you watch their lives. I go back to homeownership because usually that's one of the best assets someone could have. And uh, I didn't have any of this stuff. So I had to learn the hard way. And I bought a house in 2012. It was 275 grand. I put down 3% and I worked hard. And that's one thing, luckily, that I learned a long time ago was I learned a lot about math and compound interest and putting some stuff forward for my future self. And I do an orientation every month. And I said, listen, guys, when I was 16, I put 300 bucks away a month. And trust me, I bounced checks. I had credit card payments when I was 22. I had rent to pay. Oh, that 300 bucks was out of sight, out of mind. It just went into an account. And I said, you guys might look at me now and say, you know, geez, he's got a big business. But I'll tell you what, I was destined to be a millionaire busting tables because I knew to invest in my future self. And I understand compound interest. A lot of people look at the version now, but if they knew me 10 years ago, they would have seen a guy that I bought Lee's jeans. I was conservative. I went to Target every time and got new clothes if I needed them, but I was never nice things. I bought my first new truck. It had 7,000 miles on it. It's three years old now. It's not like I'm, I still don't have this. I like things and I'm doing some fun stuff now. What I'm really doing, and this is the secret, is I'm creating systems outside of work. I whiteboarded for four hours two weeks ago on how I wanted the house taken care of. I'm building a map for the house. So what, when I use a section of it, like the game room, I just shaded a certain color. I'm going to have certain days for baseboards. I'm going to have certain things that the patio gets hosed down. Like every single thing, how I like my boxers folded, how I want my laundry and a system for the laundry. That's just one thing. Where I want the dental floss, what kind of dental floss, what kind of toothpaste, where I want things. It sounds crazy, but I'm buying back my time now. And everybody could do this. A lot of people don't think about how long it takes. I'll give you a great example. I'm having a lady come to give me a haircut. Because if I drive 25 minutes, wait 15 minutes, get the haircut, drive back home, and then I wasted gas, not very productive, that's an hour and a half of the day I can't get back. Now I can do it in 15 minutes. 
And if I could buy back my time in everything that I don't love to do, then I'm winning. And I should be doing really what I'm really great at. And that's motivating people. And if I'm not motivating people 80% of the day, then I need to buy back my time. Right now, I'm fortunate that I could buy my time. But everybody has the ability to buy a little bit of their time. Because if you figure out what you make as a technician, I guarantee you, it's probably $50 plus per hour. So if you find something you can get done at $30 an hour, you should do that. I know it's a hard pill to swallow, but it's true. So walk that out for me, because we do have a vast majority of our audience is probably in a truck, probably driving right now behind a steering wheel. And they're thinking, okay, what does buy back my time practically mean for me? What does that tangibly look like for me as a technician, a plumber, electrician, a garage door tech in a truck right now? What does that mean, Tommy? Let's put it this way. I don't know how much of you guys love what you do, but I used to love Mondays. When I was a technician, I'd give a hug to the customer. I'd build a friend for life. I'd get a few reviews. I'd get the HOA president's name. And what it means is if somebody came to me, a technician, and said, Tommy, I want to make an extra 80 grand a year. How do I do it? I would map out for them a way to do it. Now, that might mean working an extra call. It might mean picking up a Saturday every other Saturday, but hopefully they love what they do and I'll give them the best jobs because they volunteered for that. So I'm going to give them any job on the weekend with the, both decision makers home is an advantage. Any job at night is an advantage. And as long as their significant other knows what they're trying to do in the goals that they're trying to hit quicker, I think the whole family's behind them, their best friends, their mom and dad, everybody's behind them doing this. What it means is I'm going to be more efficient. I'm going to have my significant other or my kids go fill out my tank and wash the car. I'm going to have them helping me because I'm going to pick up some extra jobs, which means Instead of making 90 grand, I'm going to get to 140, which means we get our goals in 2.2 years instead of five years. And what that means is there's so many things you do in a day. I don't do emails. I've got an assistant that helps with that. Literally, I've had an assistant since as long as I can remember. But here's the problem is you got to go backwards before you can go forward. And people don't understand it's so hard to train somebody because nobody does it my way. But you never wrote your way down. You never documented the way you like things. You've never really figured out a way to get on a cadence for everything that you do. And my whole life now is getting efficient. I'm trying to get by efficiency all the time. And it's not even about money. Literally, I know those that say money doesn't matter, they haven't given enough away yet. And they haven't really helped people change their lives. So I just disagree that money's nothing. Look at health and time. And money. And there, it's in that order. Health, time, money. Well, money will help my health and my time because now I can afford things. She just brought me two bottles of water that I will drink in the next hour. I've got a multivitamin I'm about to take. Literally, like we've got a whole breakfast, lunch, and dinner plan. And it's 80% protein. I'm doing these things that are detoxing. So health is the most important thing because if I gave you a billion dollars and said you're going to die in a week, I don't think that money is very important. And just if I said, I'll give you a billion dollars, but you can never see your wife, parents, or kids anymore, I don't think that billion dollars would matter. So it's in that order. But anything you could do, instead of mowing the lawn, hire somebody to do that and go run an extra job. Or listen, I pay $1,500 to recruit somebody. Go out there and go to Discount Tire and recruit a couple guys. That's three grand instead of cutting the lawn for an hour a week. You made three grand that month for the four hours that you would have been cutting the lawn. And you might have paid $30, so you, you spend $120 to make 3000 That's what it means, if that makes sense. I could elaborate, but that's anytime you get an opportunity to build a system and have somebody else do things that are non-profitable 
or something that you don't like. I mean, I would never do inventory if I had somebody to help me. I would never clean my truck if I had kids that could say, hey, dad wants you to help. I'll pay you an allowance. I'll give you 15 bucks every time you clean my truck twice a week. So they're getting their allowance. That's 30 bucks. That's 120 a month. But that gives you more time. Absolutely. And time is, it is the great leveler, right? We all have just those 24 hours. And that's the thing that becomes more and more apparent. And obviously, you've not only realized that as you've matured, you realized that in an earlier age, which probably gave you a leg up because you started making decisions based upon time over all the other qualifiers. And that's something that our listeners in trucks right now, they, some of them are at the end of their careers. Some of them are just coming up through it and everything in between. And so if you have a challenge for them, it sounds like it is to increase their awareness of time. It's increase their awareness of time and figure out what they want and then make sure if they've got a boss or an owner or a founder or a CEO or a COO or a director or a VP or whatever it might be, you've got to come up to them and say, listen, here are my goals. Here's where I'd like to be. I don't expect to get anointed into this position or this amount of money. So I want you to work with me and tell me what I need to do. And hopefully you've got a great person there that'll say, listen, I want you to ride along with this person because if you move this conversion rate to this and you get a couple tips on this, you'll get to 220 grand a year. And then the problem that I have is with owners, especially and technicians and most business people is if you're making 50 grand a year and you can't save money, 100 grand is not going to solve your problem. 200 grand won't solve your problem. 500 grand because they spend all of a sudden, they make 100, they move into a nicer house, they got two car payments. They pick up the Harley. They move up to 170, now they got the boat, now they've got more gas, they've got the dog walker, and they never live within their means. They never pay it forward. And I tell people, you got to pay back the business for the first five years. You've got to live under your means. You've got to let it compound. And people just say, I deserve this. You don't understand. I've worked my tail off. I hustle for this life. And I say, of course you do. But you're not letting the money work for you. You're, you don't have any delayed gratification. You're shaving up for the next biggest thing, therefore changing your lifestyle. Therefore, you have to make this money now. What if you just lived at a $60,000, you made sixty grand work, you talked to your entire family and you said, listen, these are things we're going to do. But you said, instead of going to Disney World and flying out there, we're going to go camping. We're going to get some tents. We're going to do things more affordably. We're going to spend quality time. Instead of being out all the time, we're going to get nutritious food and we're going to eat together and maybe even have meals delivered. It's crazy what you can do if you actually write it down and put your mind to it. Nobody wants to talk about finances in school, in college, at church. Very rarely do they say, here's how to build a personal budget. Here's how to figure out your time. And that's what the most annoying thing in the world is, because that's all I talk about. And people are like, wow, we don't really want to share because they're embarrassed. They stop at 7-Eleven or Quick Trip in the morning. They spend 30 bucks. They pick up some Twinkies. They fill up their Big Gulf. They pick up a, a pack of cigs. Those are personal choices. I'm not against it. That makes you happy. But does that make you happy? It's great for the next hour. But really, what did that do to your income? 30 bucks times 30 is about a grand. And your energy for the rest of the day and your waistline and your sleep at night and your blood pressure and yeah, everything else that goes along with the cigarettes, the rock star and the Kit Kat. I'm putting a refrigerator right behind my desk. I'm filling it up with the right protein, the right water, the right iced tea. I could go what to the other room in the break with? room and grab, 
I can grab a monster. I can grab a lot of stuff, but I'm just, I know myself. So I'm setting myself up for success. And I watched an interview. You guys remember Iron Man, Robert Downing Jr. Sure. He's sitting down with Oprah. This is probably 20 years ago. I don't know the exact date. And she's talking to him and she said, how did you change your life and quit all the bad things you were doing? He goes, it's not hard to quit. She says, what do you mean it's not hard to quit? It took you 10 years. And he goes, no, the hardest part is deciding. The hardest part is actually sitting down and understanding why. Because I gave up a life that I actually enjoyed, but I got a much better life. And the hardest part is deciding to go. Sitting down and making up a plan. And making sure I have accountability throughout the plan to hold me accountable. Because there are times that I wanted to slip. There are times I wanted to go back, but I had people around me. I had to change my bad habits, which might be junk food for good food. I had to switch out things. But it can't be food that I didn't like. He didn't talk about food, but he said, I had to, I have ADHD. And I'm writing a book about it. It's going to be a fictional book. I'm writing it with Mark Victor Hansen. And we were talking about the book right before this episode. And they said, what did you find about yourself with ADHD? I said, I just had to be entertained. My brain works so fast. I have to enjoy every minute of it. So the boring teachers, I was tuned out. The fun teachers that kept me engaged. And that's what I do with my life. And uh, the stuff doesn't sound fun, right? Sit down and make a plan until the plan's in motion. And you're like, wow, this is great. This is getting easier. I'm having more fun. My days are happier. I've got more freedom than I've ever thought possible. And that's what it's about is I want everybody around me to have freedom to do what they want, when they want, with who they want. But it takes some time and it takes some sacrifice and some discipline. I'm also not one of those guys that say, I work harder than everybody. I'll outwork you, brother. You have no idea how hard I work. I work nights. I work weekends. I work holidays. There's so many gurus out there I see all over the internet. I'm like this. I'll out-delegate. Almost anybody. I can't out-delegate Elon Musk yet, but one day I will. Because I'm a master delegator. And I sit and I write things down and I make a plan and I find the right person. and I make sure they understand what needs to be done. I have them confirm it and sign off on it. And the more I do that, the more freedom I have, the more simple it gets, and the more abundant my life gets. Love it, Tommy. And and something that we want to encourage people to be doing is loving their life. And one of the ways that is effective in doing that is innovating and upping your game, which I know that you're always constantly doing. And as we've gone through some turbulation through whatever it was, COVID or economy or things like that, have you found like in teaching your technicians or imagining yourself to be a tech and the experiences and stories that you are here, have you found more success in innovating and doing new and different things or in returning back to the things that we used to do or that we have done and just practicing them and doing them better? I've been to a lot of shops and I feel like they're trying to hire monkeys because they got a call-by-call manager, they got their closers, they got their comfort advisors, and they got the team that does the rehash. And what I say is, why don't you just double down on training? Train these guys. Pair them up with the person Get them engaged. Show them what it'll do. That's why I created a calculator to show them if you move this needle this much, this is what it means to you. What's in it for them? And so we practice. We double down on the things, but we always are changing and adapting. My scorecard changes every three months, and that's how the guys get paid. And some of them hate it. Some of them love it because they're like, man, you're always keeping us on our toes. You're making things fun. You're gamifying it. You're putting out Pinnacle Club Probably shouldn't say this on the podcast, but now I have 14 technicians with equity in the company. 
And soon I'll have another 40 people with equity in the company. And within a year, I'll have over 100 people with equity in the company. And they'll be owners. They'll be riding right alongside of me and all the other people that have earned it. And that's something that a lot of people don't even think about is they've earned a position of ownership within a company because I believe in sharing. I believe there's so many benefits. It's a great tool for attention. It's a great tool for recruiting. It's changing lives. And it's also having them run in the same direction I'm running. And I want to share with as many people as want it, but they got to earn it. I love the idea, I, that sharing idea that I don't, it, it never really seemed to exist before. Certainly not in the trades in the home services, but like you talking about that, you're going to have a hundred people vested in the company, a hundred people with equity ownership in your business. And like, we've both had John Akoyan on our shows, our show and your show. And he wrote that book, 99 millionaires is one of his goals is to, you know, quote unquote, personally make 99 people millionaires before he is done. And God knows how many he's at by building businesses, giving people equity or letting people earn equity, selling the business. And then everyone makes out and you roll it into the next and and do it again on the next one or whatever. But like these concepts of that, you Titans of the industry, like yourself and the guys you mentioned earlier and the Ken Goodrich and Leland Smith and all these guys have made multiple millionaires out of home service really technicians, guys like us that came from nothing and worked our way into a truck of some kind or another. And then next thing you know, they're guys like you are giving them an opportunity to be a part owner of a business and become a millionaire. It's just ridiculous what's going on in all of the home service industries as a whole right now. It's so cool to be a part of. I'll tell you what, they earn it. They become mentors. They believe in the cause even more. Their families get behind them. It's a win across the board. I can't tell you, anybody that hasn't even explored the opportunity of some type of equity incentive program, some people call it phantom shares, but phantom shares mean nothing if you don't have a plan on which you are going to sell or partner with another company. So when they believe in the plan, the mission, the timeline, it means so much more because what does phantom equity mean? It means when we sell the majority of the company, you're going to be 700000 300000 a million, whatever that number might be. My biggest issue with that is we're not really sure when, and we don't really have a plan. We're just, we'll see how things go. I can tell you exactly the next day we're going to partner with another company. And I know exactly what goals we need to hit. I know exactly where we're going, like exactly, like to the T. And now all I got to do that's called an outcome and key result, OKR. And now all I had to do is reverse engineer it, get everybody to buy into it, just like I did last time. And now we're all sprinting. Now everybody understands when their payday is going to be. And then what they understand too is what that means. I didn't explain the equity in a way that said, here's how much money. I said, if you invest right, you can buy three houses. You can make an extra $800 per home. You can pay off your current house. What does that mean? It means you're bringing in three grand a month. It means you're also paying this house off over the course of 10 years instead of 30. What else it means is you've got a retirement now of a couple million dollars, plus you've got more freedom than you ever have. Now, if we roll some of that, here's what it means next. Because just the money part, to me, doesn't get me excited. It means, what is this going to do for my passive income? What is this going to do for my life? What is this going to do for my family? And if you think about it in terms of what's in it for them, Joe Polish wrote a great book called What's In It For Them. And I've always said what's in it for them. Al Levy taught me that phrase a long time ago. And one of the first 
passages in the book, he talks about people that literally breathe the life out of you. They suck your energy. You're around them and you want to avoid eye contact. It's like you got to make the call because you're calling them back, but you're just dreading it. And get those people as far away from you as possible. I hope it's not your wife. I hope it's your kids. You need to figure that out because that's something that you need to become a better parent. Tommy, how do we know if it's us? You can pretty much tell. If you're always talking about negativity, if you're always talking about this best doesn't like me or it's easy for you to say or they got lucky or I'm going to get started or I don't really have goals. If you're the person that just wakes up unhappy, if you just can't see the good in people, if you're just constantly complaining and just find a reason why you're not going to do well, it is you. And it is those people that just no matter what, it's never their fault. It's the world hates them. I'm never going to be any better. I don't have any reason for trying harder. I've never figured out my why. If you're that person that just constantly is finding the worst in people, constantly gossiping, constantly talking behind people's back about whatever it might be, that person is a fake, this person, that, this. If you're spending all your time criticizing others and thinking about how you're above people, then that's you. And you just got to really self-internalize and say, Am I the issue looking in the mirror and saying, do I enrich people's lives when I'm around them? Do I add value? Do I literally listen to them? Do I win and influence? How to win friends and influence people? Do I actually have two ears to listen? Do I put my phone down to the side? Or am I literally on my phone during every meeting when my managers are talking to me? Or when my boss is doing a presentation am I on TikTok or Instagram or Facebook? Am I not engaged? If you're that person and you just kind of laugh about stuff, you sit in the back, you're okay with your 80 grand a year, you don't want more for your life, then that's you. If you say I'm content, that's you. Mm, challenging words, Tommy. Just thinking here about that and like, I'm doing some studying on the idea of gratitude, which is one of our core values. And a lot of what you talked about there is ringing true with that. It's something that we talk here about. Brian mentioned it. Gratitude is the cheat code. It's what we do. It's how we live our lives in such a way that it makes a difference because people want to be around other people who are thankful, who are grateful because it exudes off them without even trying. And it makes a difference in the experience as a homeowner, as a peer, as your spouse, whatever it is, it's the thing that we should be striving for. hundred percent. You know, the story yesterday, that submarine blowing up, you never know. Tomorrow's not promised. And a lot of people say this, but man, tragedies happen all around us. Your health is so important. If so many people are chasing money, then they're six years old before they enjoy it. Learn to live in the now. Make the most out of everything. And if you're not in the right situation, then change it. No one's going to do it for you. So you got to take accountability. If you've got two arms, two legs, and you breathe without a respirator, then you're doing pretty freaking good. I interviewed a guy for our Thursday meeting. I interviewed two technicians every week. And we play it to the entire staff. It's called Bring the Fire Meeting. And... I can tell you that this guy, his name's David, he's out of Denver. He said, Tommy, what I started doing is I started saying, today's going to be a great day. And I, a lot of times he's training other techs and he says, on this next job, it's going to be golden. He goes, here's what we're going to do. He goes, this is going to be a great job. And he goes, Tommy, I swear to you. He goes, sometimes people look at me like I'm crazy because I'm just getting my mental stage in order. But it's just this gratitude, optimism enjoy to be alive, positivity, and it's contagious and it works. And all of a sudden things are going right. The world is a crazy place. It's weird how if you put it out there and you believe, if you believe it won't, if you believe it will. Any changes, we talked a lot 
two weeks ago about 55% body language, 38% tonality, 7% the words we use. Stand like a gorilla, talk like a preacher, and uh, talk like a lover. And one of the guys in my interviews last week goes, he repeats that over and over again. He goes, dude, I started doing that. And it changed everything. And I was like, I'm glad you're listening to the meetings. <laughs> it's funny. Two weeks ago, we had on Josh Kelly, and he was talking about the concept of anchoring, which is an event in our life that we have celebration-worthy thing that happened. And it's triggered by like a hand motion or smelling something or a phrase that we say. And it's called anchoring because you do it, you did it then, and now you keep reflecting upon that win and that feeling and so you do it now and it gets you back in that game time mood, which it sounds like what that guy is doing by waking up every morning and saying, it's going to be a good day. And then self-reflection, it was one of the hardest things for me to think about. And it still is. I'm not going to lie. It's one of those things where you got to kind of reflect. I interviewed on one of my Thursday meetings, Darius Livers, and he says, Tommy, whenever I walk out of a home, the one thing I constantly do, I get in my truck, I go park around the corner. And I take notes on what I did good and what I could have done better. He goes, if you don't have the mindset that there's someone on this planet out of 8 billion people that a person could have, maybe I didn't put the booties on when I went in the house a second time. Maybe I didn't smile. Maybe I didn't accept the iced tea. Maybe I didn't explain things. Maybe I didn't make that right eye contact. Maybe I was intimidating. Maybe I should have got down on one knee to present the parts instead of standing above that, that elderly woman. Maybe I didn't smell right, whatever it might be. Without self-examination and wanting to do more and thinking you could do more, and if you've already felt like you're the best, there's problems there. You've already conquered everything and you're done. There's no reason to be alive. I think I've got so much work to do. I'm the best I've ever been, but the worst I'll ever be. I say that all the time. And the guys that say, listen, I did great. I made the money I need to make today. I can pay all my bills. I got a little bit extra. That's the wrong mentality. And a lot of people just say, I just want to be happy. What the hell does I just want to be happy mean? What are you going to do to be happy? What actions are you going to take? And it goes back to the elevate mindset of just, what can I do for everybody around me? I've got this quote. I've got a whole pad here. Someone actually bought this for me, but it's blank sheets with on the top of it. You can have anything in life you want if you just help en enough people get what they want by Zig Ziglar. And I've got this motivation all around me. I just, I love, I sincerely, and a lot of people say this, I love my life. Now, there are times that there are times I'm unhappy throughout the day, but overall, it's a great day. I live in Arizona. The sun's out. It gets hot sometimes, but it's a sunny state. In Michigan, I used to get depressed because it was gray every day. It was cold. It was like, I don't want to get up. It's dark outside. I put myself in these situations all the time to only be able to be happy. And I put a lot of time and energy into making sure I do the things I love the most. Oh, that's where we're going to have to interrupt things right there. Tommy brought it in for a nice conclusion of part one of this podcast, and we're going to pick up next week with part two. Great information from Tommy as he already has gone into the things that are in, swirling up in his mind right now, and uh, it's always an interesting conversation with Tommy. If you enjoyed today's show, make sure you stay tuned for next week as we'll conclude the conversation and talk more about what he's doing in his book, Elevate, and uh, more concepts that he's trying to employ in his life. For right now, though, that's a wrap for us. We want to leave you with the challenge, as we do each and every week, to choose to wake up every single morning and waste no day. 